Hello, beautiful people. If you're in the DC area, my 10-minute play, The Ferberizing of Coral, has been selected for the DC Source Festival's 10th anniversary Best of 10-Minute Plays series. For tickets and performance information, visit sourcefestival.org. Also, if you're in the Charleston, South Carolina area, my full-length Capital Fringe hit, Giant Box of Porn, has been selected by What If Productions as a finalist for their 2017 Playwrights Festival. It and the other two finalists will have a partial reading on June 24th for a chance at a full production in 2018. For more information, visit whatifproductions.org. All right, here's the show. Whenever my world falls apart, I never lose hope or lose heart. Whatever the form of the storm that may brew, not with you to lean on, darlings, you. Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest today is a theater administrator who can currently be found at Arena Stage here in D.C. It's Lauren R. Alexander. That's the one. There it is. Yes. <laughs> and you chose? I chose In the Heights. In the Heights, I If you want me to rap anything or speak in Spanish, just let me know. Do you speak Spanish? Uh, un poco. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. used to say así, así, mm. and now I say no. Great. Because it's also been a long, Spanish. Been a, yes, been a long time <laughs> since high school. So, how did In the Heights come into your into your life? So, every year for my birthday, my mom would buy me tickets to a musical on Broadway, and so In the Heights won the Tony Award and. 2008. Mm-hmm. And I said, Mom, let's go see that show. She was like, cool. So then she goes on Ticketmaster or whatever and buys tickets for Front Row. Oh, for wow. Sometime in July for $111 for a Front Row ticket. Yeah. Could you imagine? That's pretty good. Yes. Like, what's a Front Row ticket to any show playing on Broadway now? Like, 350 to any musical playing on Broadway yeah. right now? Yeah. A grip, certainly. Yeah. So, like, throwback... Yeah. The cheap days. Yeah, of $111 front row ticket. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So I didn't know much about the musical. I saw the like, little snippet on the Tonys. Mm-hmm. I saw it won all the Tonys. Um, and then I sat in the front row. And as soon as the overture started, I, you know, I just started crying. So I was like, <laughs> this is like the most beautiful thing in my whole life. Um, and my mom had explained to me that like her grandparents owned a store in Washington Heights oh, when wow. they first immigrated over to New York. Um, so, like, there was a tie for her, which made it a little bit more special. Um, and then it was just bliss from there. Oh, wow. So where'd you grow up? In Lawrenceville, New Jersey. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So, so we could either drive into New I was York. I say right over the water. Yeah. Or take New Jersey Transit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hop right in there. Yeah. Oh, and then great. we saw In the Heights right before it closed on Broadway two years later mm-hmm. because Lynn came back for the closing two weeks. Right. So I said, Mom, we got to go. <laughs> so then she bought... A ticket for the last row. Oh, good. In the balcony. Right. For $111. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, there's an interesting... I heard an interview with him before the Tonys last year, before Hamilton won literally all the Tonys. And somebody asked him about if he was nervous about it, and he about the Tonys. Mm-hmm. And he said that he wasn't because last time within the Heights, like, In the Heights needed to win 
best musical mm-hmm. or it wasn't going to sell. Like that was sort of the thing. It was it was not a life or death, but it was like the show will run if we win. It will probably won't if we don't because there's yeah. nobody in it. And so he was said he was super nervous at that Tony Awards yeah. that he was like they needed to win in a desperate way. And so when he did, he was super happy. He's like, now Hamilton's selling. It had almost been running for a year by the time the Tonys came around. Yeah. It didn't matter. Like the show was running and anyway. They, Hamilton even delayed their entry into the Tonys, right? Because they wanted to get into the next cycle, into the next round. It just yeah. literally didn't even matter. For no, that. didn't mm-hmm. matter. No, it didn't make a difference. Um, so that was that was an interesting. Yeah, I can only imagine like that hundred eleven dollar front row seat. Like it seems in the Heights would probably have been Hashtag one new of, musical, right? Yeah. It would have been one of the cheaper <laughs> shows though. Certainly, yeah. looking from the musical standpoint, because yeah. but that theater is. I mean, the Richard Rogers is a I know. gorgeous theater. I know. It's, and it's... I was just like so close. Yeah, yeah. And, and you don't even need sweat. to be. I mean, it's and so neat about that show, it's right? Like, <laughs> just everywhere. Well, that's what, my wife and I saw. Oh, uh, what's the name of it? Private Lives, mm. the Noel Coward play at the Rogers uh, in two thousand two. He wants to say maybe, <laughs> maybe two thousand three. Um, right after with um Alan Rickman. Mm. And we were in the third. It was her first Broadway show ever, so we sat third row center. That was my deal with that, and for probably a hundred some dollars. And yeah, he could spit on us in the third row. So I can imagine the first wow. row you got pretty. Yes, it, he spit on us in the in the third row in a play. So in a musical in the Where first you're row, you're spitting yeah, rats. You're in the zone, right? Yes, yes. that's true. <laughs> that is very true. Yeah. Wow. All right. So for the people who don't know, and one of them might be me, could you tell me what the plot is to In the Heights? You can yes. go as big or as small with this as you want. Yeah. Let, yeah. Well, I think it's just such a little story like that takes place between, like there's actually a lot of characters in the show. Yeah. A lot of characters, but it's a really small story. So there's Usnavi, played by Lynn, um, and he owns this little corner bodega, runs it with his cousin Sonny, Robin de Jesus. Um, and their grandma, like, they all live in this town, and everyone's friends, and the guys who um, own the taxi company, they're friends, and his cousins own the, um, well, I guess they're not his cousins. They're his friends. They own the little nail salon. Exactly. And so at Lynn Usnavi's coffee shop, he sells a winning lottery ticket, and he doesn't know who bought it, um, but it's obviously someone in the community because there's only people who go there. Turns out... um, his grandma won the ticket for ninety six thousand right. um, dollars, and everyone in the show has all these dreams. People, most of the people actually want to leave Washington Heights. Some people want to go to Queens. They want to go to Brooklyn. They want to go back to the Dominican Republic. Um, and when they find out that the ninety six thousand dollars is in the community, let alone owned by his grandma, right. like their dreams like come to the forefront and they're like, what are we going to do with this money? Then, spoiler alert, <laughs> grandma dies. Yeah, she does. So she keeps a third of the money. Actually, I don't even know what happens to her portion because after she dies. Right. Usnavi gets a third and Usnavi's cousin Sunny gets a third. So Usnavi's like, peace out. Right. I'm done with Washington Heights. And then throughout that experience, he like falls in love, of course, and he realizes how much his community means to him and his home is actually... Washington Heights, not like his home where his parents are from. Right. And so he stays at the end. But he says that in like the last line of it the is show. Like, yeah, I noticed that today, listening to it for like the second or third time yeah. since we decided to do this. It, yeah. It is like 
it's minutes to go yes. and he decides he's going to stay. It's like, yeah. call everyone. I'm staying. Right. I found my home. Right. Curtain. Yeah. And there are other, I mean, so there's that. That's one plot. We also mm-hmm. have Benny, his friend, who yeah. works at the cab stand. And Vanessa, who works at the nail salon. That's who Snavi's love interest. Yeah. Benny's love interest is Nina. Nina. Yeah. Okay. So Nina. His boss's daughter. Exactly. Right. Goes off to college. Uh, her father has worked extraordinarily hard to pay for this. So she goes, and at the end of freshman year, she's like, mm, I quit. Yeah. And it's a disappointment to her because she feels like she's letting her whole family down because she's the first one to go to college. Right. Um, so she comes back and falls in love with Benny, but Benny's not Latino, so her parents don't like him. And then we don't actually know what happens to them in the end of the show. Well, they, I mean, she... Like her together? father sells the taxi cab company yep. to pay for her because she loses her scholarship. Yes. He pays for college. So she decides to go back to Stanford and then they're just together, Benny and her. Correct. And But long whatever. distance. Right. So yeah. long distance sophomore. Well, Nishnavi and, and Vanessa don't like end up, end up together at the end. No, like, they kiss. They kiss. And then he decides he's staying. He's staying, so he's going to pursue her. Right. So we assume. So it's kind of open ended. I mean, it's yeah. ending in a little more. Everybody is in that way sort of better off than when we met them, or at least in yes. a different, better place than when we meet them. But And I think the finale is just so hopeful that you mm-hmm. can only assume like the best for them. Yeah. It has a very Rent-esque ending. No, I know. No day but today. And people today. compare it to Rent. Yeah. And they say, it's just like Rent, except without, like, sex and drugs and disease. hmm And so then it's not like Rent at all. It's well, just like a love story to New York. It is. Well, that, that's and that's how it's like. It's like Rent in the sense that, in, in the sort of the worst way that you make that comparison, meaning, mm. well, it's another musical, big ensemble musical about New York and minorities. Sure. So uh, written by somebody very young. So it's Rent. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not, I mean, you're right. It is not an apt comparison. But it is an apt comparison in the sense that, like Rent, it is structured. I mean, it is an ensemble musical. Sure. And it, at the time, had no stars in it when it came out. I mean, it came out, there was nobody in Rent who anybody mm-hmm. had heard of. Now you know almost everybody who came from Rent right. be- because like, of Rent. Right, and a musical yeah. starring Chris Jackson. Like, right, and what Chris Jackson and, and Lin Manuel obviously, in Mandy Gonzalez. And who played um, Karen Olivio. Yeah, Karen, uh, who won a Tony couple years later for um, uh, West Side Story. Oh, which I saw was actually like two oh, thumbs you didn't, down. didn't get down with mm, that? No. The show is also not like, I mean, it also does get compared to West Side Story. I think also, again, because it's about yeah. Hispanic people in New York. Like it's not, which is like, okay, but that it is not. And there's dancing. You know, it is like West Side Story in that way, right. but in no other way. There's does no it resemble. gangs. There's no gangs. Um, there is looting. But there's yeah. no looting in West Side Story. There's no say. murder. There's a death. There's, no, there's murder. no murder. There is a death. A very important death. Mm-hmm. But it, but it is a natural cause of death. Yes. yes, that is a good point. <laughs> so when you so you saw the show before you heard the album. You saw it on the Tonys, then you saw the show. And I can't then you... exactly remember. It could have been that I listened to the two disc CD. Yes, full um, both discs. Yes, very full of yes. music. Yes, um, on the way to see the show, but it okay. wouldn't have been like I wasn't familiar with it. Right. And it didn't really mean anything until, like, until I always feel like I don't listen to songs unless I've seen the show. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Just because I feel like there's so much you get from the text. Mm-hmm. And like in this, there's not that much text that's separate from the music. Right. But no, I think I'd rather my first entree to a musical to be to see it. Oh, sure. Like I didn't listen to Hamilton before I saw it because I was like, what? what? Oh, Why would wow. I do that? But then it's actually the whole show is the music. Right. So that's, yes. Minus one song. Yes. yes. So 
Yeah. The whole thing's on that. Two again, two very full discs discs. of music. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Very, very full discs of music. Yeah, the man writes packed shows. Um there is no question about that. Yeah. So when you so how old were you when you saw it? I was seventeen. Oh, okay. So that's good. That's like prime Yes. Prime time to go see it. And it was like getting to go to college. Mm -hmm. So I definitely related to that line about like leaving your family, even though I wasn't the first in my family to leave. Right. Like of course my parents sacrificed something, like they paid for college. Right. Thank you. Right. Parents. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That's good to say thank you. Yeah. But they Uh, didn't sell their cab company. Right. Mm -hmm. They still own their cab. They still own their cab. (laughs) (laughs) It's doing very well. Yeah. It's Uh, called Uber. I don't know if you've heard of it. (laughs) Maybe you've heard of it. Um yeah, that makes sense. So it's seventeen but you'd already been to the theater a few times before that. So this oh, yeah. Was, yeah. So, but but this is the show you chose that you said grabbed you. So what do you think grabbed yes. you so much about it? As opposed to all the, like, what else had you seen before that? Could you? I mean, like, Hairspray, mm-hmm. Brent, Wicked, the Disneys, mm-hmm. um, Phantom. I hadn't seen a play, I don't think. And then I was in, like, my high school productions of right. Annie, this is a really great show, Back to the 80s. Um, never quite made it to Broadway right. for some reason. <laughs> um, so, like, I definitely had seen a lot of musicals. But this was just so different. And I remember thinking, like, wow, this is a neighborhood. Like, I've never been to Washington Heights, but I feel like I know it so clearly. Mm-hmm. I know these people so clearly. They're not caricatures. They're just, like, full people. Um and there were, like, young people in love, going to college, dealing with, like, grandparents on the brink of death. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was so beautiful and so well done, even though, it, like, some reviews say it's tacky. It's like, where does that Yeah, come the reviews from? are kind of... They're lukewarm. They're lukewarm. Yeah, yeah. I would say. Two, they, they, it seems the most reviews love the score, mm-hmm. love the performers, hate the script, like that's the yeah. most of the vitriol I see gets tossed at the book. Can you say book. your name? Quar- that's a good Quaria? question. I have it right here. I will look at it and I will mispronounce it. Live and on the. All right. Yeah. No, I'm not gonna. Uh, Kiara. Kiara. I yeah. Yeah, but like, maybe yeah, she... this was her final. Like, where's she been? Well, she's a, a lot actually. I looked that oh. up because well. when you when you hear <laughs> that like that the book was what was most um, problematic. Problematic. It it. Uh, it, your initial reaction is to be like, oh, then like, and then she never worked again. But actually, she went back <laughs> to playwriting. Um, and uh, was this her last musical? No, she she started in musicals and then she or she started in plays and musicals and then went. She worked on another. She worked on a Kennedy Center musical actually called hmm. Barrio Girl, uh, which was at the Kennedy Center. Oh, was that the one with all the R's? Yeah, mm-hmm. in two thousand nine, <laughs> um, she was a Pulitzer finalist for this show for in the heights yeah. and also for another play she wrote called Elliot. So she's done wow. she's done very well for herself um since then. But it is really really funny to me that that the book is what gets really, really attacked. And the plot a little bit being so simple and so Yeah. Kind of trite would be the word that but I But I think that's what makes it so accessible mm-hmm. to me anyway. Because I'm like, oh I get it. I I get it. Right. I get everyone and I get everyone's purpose and their story. It's painted in the first song. Yes. It's painted again in the song right before intermission. Right. It's painted in the carnival song. Mm-hmm. And it's painted again in the finale. Yeah. So like it's kind of Shakespearean in that way where it just like hits you. If you didn't get it the first time, you're gonna well, get you it. Do it yeah. again. Mm-hmm. I think that yeah, it is 
it is, it is very typical. Yeah. Or, or not it, the narrative isn't inventive. Mm-hmm. But I think that you you're right. It kind of leans into its simplicity in a very yeah. very basic way and doesn't never tries to overreach itself. Like uh, Abuela doesn't win a million dollars. She sure. wins $96,000, which is not as Navi points out isn't actually a lot of money. As for you, Mr. Frodo of the Shire, 96 J's ain't enough to retire. Come on, I have enough to knock your ass off his axis. You have a knapsack full of jack after taxes. Right, and you can fly back to Dominican Republic <laughs> yeah. and open up, like I think Abueli says that Usnavi should open up like a bar on the beach. Yeah. And like that's, that's, what, and like that's what you could do with money like that. Um, or as he decides at the end, you could fix up the bodega mm-hmm. and like reopen, like you can do that. So, but it's not an, it's all very small stakes. All the stakes are very small. All the wins are very small. But that's what's beautiful about it to me. That's what, that's the moments of, because it is all the, the songs that I love in this show are the tiny ones. The, 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 like, Breathe breathe is the first one that just absolutely knocks me down. This is my street. I smile at the faces I've known all my life. They regard me with pride. And everyone's sweet, they say you're going places. So how can I say that while I was away, I had so much to hide? Hey guys, it's me. The biggest disappointment you know. The kid couldn't hack it. She's back and she's walking real slow. Welcome home. Just breathe. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous song. And sung so gorgeously. And such a great contrast after that explosive Mm -hmm. Into the Woods-esque 11-minute opening number. I know. Where you meet everyone. Everybody. And and then the one person you haven't met. Yes. Comes out and sings this tiny little sweet, sweet song. That is just... That and... um, I can't remember the actual title. It's useless in Spanish. um, Yeah, that her father sings. I will not... Be the reason that my family can't succeed. I will do what it takes. They'll have everything they need. All my work, all my life, everything I've sacrificed. So do you remember, I mean, was it just a wash for you as, as a 17-year-old you, like taking this whole thing in? Or were there moments or characters or things that you grabbed onto kind of tightly and, and have retained? Yeah. I mean, I think both of the female leads, Vanessa and Nina, mm-hmm. um, I definitely was drawn to. Vanessa sort of have more adult problems, like like she has like a debt thing. She's trying or to get She's apartment. like moving. Yeah. And that was something I hadn't. Right encountered yet but definitely like her love interest and having someone love her and how does she respond to that mm-hmm. um, and her relationship with Sunny is also like something I definitely grabbed on to because Sunny's hilarious yes. and he was nominated for a Tony Award I didn't notice yeah. that until I looked this up but the actor was nominated for a Tony yeah. which is for a part that doesn't seem that big on the CD that's am- that's pretty impressive that He's he stood that out that much big yeah not on the CD yeah. either. He's got some good, I mean, he's got some good funny moments. He's a social but, justice right. clown almost. Well, he like has the best line in the show, I think. Uh, 
My, my cousin over there with his tongue hanging out has been meaning to ask you Yes What a lady such as yourself might be doing tonight Does your cousin dance? Like a drunk Cheeto Bovera. Yes! Yes! <laughs> I love that one so yeah. much. Because it's, it's such a great, like, evo- like, what does that mean? I don't know. Is that good? Is that bad? No, but he, I've seen the, um, there's a great PBS documentary about the making of this show, just like there, there was for Hamilton. Yeah. Um, th- where I, there's, she's not featured very much uh, in the documentary, but there's one scene where she's sitting down with Tommy Kale and, and Lin-Manuel and they're going through it early in rehearsals and she is repeatedly saying, like, we should cut my stuff because it's getting in the way oh. of the songs. Like, the so- like if there's a moment, like if there's two moments in the show that are redundant, we should cut the dialogue and focus on the song. And it's very, I mean, it's, which I think is a book writer's job is to know, like, when to be cut, but also when to kind of stand up and be like, no, this like this is working. Yeah. This, we need this. And it's a really interesting thing to see, uh, her sort of letting letting what is interesting about the show, which is Lynn's score, mm-hmm. take over in a really way. And it was also way. birthed by him. Like I don't think she was at yeah. school when he was writing. I, I don't it. think so either. So I'm interested in like what point in the process she, she came, came into in. it. Yeah. There's a really great episode of Broadway Backstory, the podcast you can listen to also about the formation of this of this show. Which is, I mean, this show, they worked on this show for five or six years. Yeah. Directly. It was like a couple years before that was when it was first conceived. But there was like mm-hmm. five years of actual like workshops, readings, work, production to put this thing together. Yeah. yeah. It's just, well, I mean, and you think like, it took him nine years to write In the Heights. It took him about nine years to write Hamilton or so yeah, seven years to write Hamilton. the next musical Yeah, that's what he said in time? 2024. Yeah. That's what he said. Great. Great. <laughs> So it's think, good to know, like, think, Bring It On is not considered part of the trilogy. I don't know why. And it's so <laughs> – he posted one of his – one of the songs from Bring It On on – I think he put it on one of the mixes he releases from time to time, either mm-hmm. on Spotify or on YouTube. And somebody tweeted at him, like, this makes me hopeful you'll write a cheerleading musical. And he wrote back, well, I did. I you'll did. be really happy to know, <laughs> like, it exists. And, yeah, I don't know why Bring It On doesn't get – I mean, he didn't conceive of Bring It On. Right. So Based maybe the, that's why he kind of leaves it. The Oscar-winning right, movie series. Film, motion picture. Yeah. He didn't even conceive of the musical, though. He was brought into that. Yeah. So I wonder if that's why. But you came in and said when you sat down how you wanted – you were interested in how this show was like Hamilton and, and yes. Moana. What did you mean by that? So, okay, first of all – if we could just have everyone listening do a visual comparison of the artwork side by side. Mm-hmm. It is literally Lin-Manuel Miranda on the cover with his hand in the air. Pointing to the air. That's absolutely true. Okay. Yes. So, so we all see that. It's a good start. Yes. Great. All right. Okay. The cast <laughs> crossovers are yeah. kind of incredible. And it's almost like there are actors who can sing Sondheim right. or whatever other composer. And there are actors However, he found Chris Jackson. Mm-hmm. And I guess, was he the only one in the original cast of Hamilton that's the same? Yes, that's and from the himself. original cast, from both, yes. Um, there were actors who would come through in the Heights later who would then end yeah. up in the original cast of Josh Hamilton. Josh Henry was, mm-hmm. I saw him actually as Benny the first time I saw it. Oh. Um, and then Karen is now in the Chicago company of yeah. Hamilton. Um, so, like, there's those people who can... Who can just sing his songs? Mm-hmm. So having that cast crossover, yeah. Um, well, and the whole production team. I mean, and Tommy Kale and and um, Blackmore. 
Andy Blankenbuehler. Andy Blankenbuehler, yeah. yeah, and and Andy Lackam, yeah, and and Lackamore or uh, Alex Lackamore as the orchestrator. Yeah, it's 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 pretty much the same production, yes. and the producers the same. I mean, it's the Dream same production team too. and the same theater. I mean, they're both in they're yeah. both in the Richard Rogers. Yeah, so. Um, and so then I had this idea, and I was like, okay, Hamilton is New York past. Mm-hmm. In the Heights is New York present. That's true. The next 20, right. 20, 2024 musical, musical will be New York, York future, future, where, I don't know, it takes place like after a stock market crash. Or something. Or I don't know. Whatever. Okay. We'll see. Yeah. So that's happening. And I think In the Heights like, actually really prepared America or like general musical theater people for like the next big hit. And mm-hmm. to, like, get accustomed to a hip-hop musical, even though not as many people have heard of In the Heights or have even seen it. But I think it really did prepare. Well, it's starting to get well. done regionally all of a sudden. I In was the just Heights? talking about somebody with this yeah, today. It's yeah, it's opening. To it's coming to Olney. It's at Gala now. Yeah, there's a couple theaters that are that are just doing regional productions of it. And, and that's, good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, so you'll get to see it <laughs> I here. will see them all. Over at Only Theater, yeah. Yeah, and also I think there's a big through line in In the Heights <clears throat> about like what is our legacy and what we leave behind. Yes, that is very true. Um, And that's something that Lynn has talked about before. I've heard him speak, seen him speak mm-hmm. um, about like what his legacy is and he feels like time is ticking to write something great, to be great, to be remembered. And we see that with Abuela. Like what mm-hmm. does she leave behind? We see that with Nina, she goes off to college. She doesn't know what she leaves behind, but she wants to build something great. Her parents want to build something great for her. So that, I think, is really important to both of these stories. Yeah, that's very true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, yeah, that, that, that did stand out to me listening to it this time. Of the, the, because you can't not hear it. I mean, when someone composes something as Who current, lives, who dies, who, who draws yeah. your dead grandma's face right. on, a, <laughs> on a billboard. On a or, billboard. On a, or on a side of a building. I'm yes. not quite sure. Yeah. Graffiti Pete. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, and Seth, whatever his last name is, who played Graffiti Pete. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll look that up. So was know. in Hamilton. And when he walked out on stage, I said, Graffiti Pete! <laughs> Seth Stewart. That's his name. Okay. I mean, is these themes obviously are something that pop up in every writer's work yeah. when they conceive, like when from the ground up. Like, obviously, these are ideas that are not found anywhere in Bring It On. I don't know how familiar you are with Bring It On. <laughs> It's a fun show. It's it's a lot. I um I'm not familiar. You're not familiar. With it. It's a really fun show. <laughs> okay. You can. What's so funny about Bring It On, and you should listen to it. You know, it's fun, and no one's ever going to do it. So that's the only way you're going you're gonna to yeah. find it. Is that you can definitely tell because he was brought in to work on it when like where his songs are and where his mm. influences are and where his moments are, which is pretty. Cheerleaders rapping in Spanish. Not in Spanish, <laughs> okay. but yes, it, all of a sudden, like a, a bit motivated, but like suddenly there will be kind of a rap slash spoken word break in the middle of a song. Cool. And yeah, you're like, okay, like, I know who wrote that. Hey, you never met me face to face. If you think cheerleaders are a waste of space, we work and we fight and we train and hustle. We get many petties, but we're made of muscle. We got one shot that we work all year for. We got more balls than the team we cheer for. Nationals is getting closer by the minute. Last year we took bronze, this year we're going to win it. It's a really interesting. I like that you, what you just said about this sort of preparing people because this does feel like as great as this show is, as good as this show is on its own, mm-hmm. it, it does feel like to me a lot of ways a warm up for Hamilton, and but also I like that idea you introduced of it being a warm up for other shows that came after it. Can you expand on that a little bit? Like what you think of about other that? Lynn shows, or just a or... theater in general? I mean, the way you phrased it was just sort of like. 
this is the kind of like getting us used to a new kind yeah, of theater. Yeah, well, it's so contemporary. And mm-hmm. I think, well, we are definitely in a golden age of musicals right now. Yes. Um, and I don't know if it dates as far back to launching in 2008 or whenever the conception of Broadway productions mm-hmm. of In the Heights started. But there have been so many revivals recently, revival tours, revivals on Broadway. Um, and this is just, like, came out of his brain. Like, original musicals are so far and few between. Mm-hmm. Few and far. Few and far between. Few and far between. Mm-hmm. And I think this is, like, raising the stakes for creative people and creative musicals to, like, have a brainchild and see it through. Mm-hmm. It is. I was trying to think of this the other day. Musicals based on nothing. Yeah. And I couldn't. I mean, even Hamilton is based, Hamilton's on, based on a book. Well, it's based on a life and based on a book. Yeah, obviously. Loosely based on his life. Kind of, yeah, based on the neighborhood he grew up in, um, and the people he knew. But it is an original, yeah, original story, totally. and I, I couldn't think of the only other one I could think of off the top of my head. Dear Evan Hansen was Company, and uh, Dear Evan oh. Hansen actually, quite, yes, would be would be another one, um, and Next to Normal. Now that you've said Dear Evan Hansen, that yeah. takes that takes another one in my yeah. brain. Um, so they're certainly they certainly come out, but they are very few and far and they between. They are so as you say. treasured when they happen because yeah. you're like, wow, these people are so creative. Mm-hmm. And when you're watching in the Heights, you're not thinking like, man, Lin Manuel Miranda is such a great performer. He's a great dancer. He's a great singer. He's a great actor. Like honestly, C plus. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> watching him, knowing that he created this, mm-hmm. like wow, he is amazing. Yeah, because this is his brain. On the stage. Did this show kind of make you pers- decide to pursue a career in theater in any way? In, in the sort of, because it's interesting to me, you're not an act, you're not a performer. No. But you are in theater. You do work yeah. in theater. And, and I'm definitely like an avid, like, uh, listener of musicals that I have seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will just listen to my Spotify albums until the cows come home, mm-hmm. until I learn every word. Mm-hmm. But... I don't sing in front of anyone. I wouldn't perform in anyone. Um, but but you worked. I mean, you worked at Imagination Stage. You yeah. worked at Arena. Like yeah. so, you're obviously this is what you do. Yeah. What you get? What do you study here at American? I was a communication major and a theater minor. Oh, okay. So, if you're a communication major, as yeah. you know, you need to have a minor because AU believes you need something to talk about. And so I'm like, well, I love theater. Mm-hmm. I know theater. Let that be my minor. And it wasn't until. Like junior year, someone said to me, did you know you could work in arts admin? I was like, what is that? <laughs> I was like, I don't want to do PR for pharmaceuticals. Right. It's like, I could work in the marketing department for a theater. How cool. So it was just sort of like a little happy marriage of my interests and my talents. And now here and I am. And your training and it all. Exactly. Yeah, it all comes together. Exactly. Right. So yeah. what do you like about arts administrative work? It's really easy to see like how your work pays off. Mm. Um, through ticket sale numbers. So sure. you can actually see like, oh, an ad brought in this much money or a review ran this day and we had this huge uptick in box office sales. So it's like seeing that direct correlation to what you're doing is actually making a difference. Okay. That's interesting. And how have you found the the, the transition from children's theater to to adult theater? Adult theater? Yeah. Um, at first I was actually a little nervous. I was like, what if all I know how to do is talk about like bubbles and puppets? Mm -hmm. And then I was like, well, actually, like I read the news. I am an adult. Mm -hmm. I surround myself with adults. I know what it's like to have adult problems. And from there, it 
just kind of yeah yeah because arena is a big deal i mean it is yeah. on the national level it's a big deal Definitely. so it, you know it, it is kind of a you're on the big stage all of a sudden yes. in the regional theater world yes and arena at least there's a lot of support like they have a pretty large staff mm-hmm. so look at that nice shiny building i know it's really <laughs> not- every day i walk in i'm like this place is beautiful yes, like, is. let me take an instagram picture it is gorgeous yeah yeah big shiny building in southwest exactly. where no one ever goes yet october yes. they will be opening like 50 something restaurant shops a concert venue hotels it will be in southwest the place to be wow it's called the wharf oh that's they didn't right. pay me to say that no <laughs> i have a friend who lives in southwest across from arena yeah that's where if you're going to live in southwest that's where you're going to live yep. and uh yeah, he had mentioned that to me. He's like, this is going to blow up and I'm not going to be able to live here anymore. <laughs> it's like, I'm yeah. surprised you can live here now, frankly. Yeah. Um, it's going to be fancy. For those of you who don't know, Southwest is the tiniest quadrant of D.C. It, mm-hmm. it is, I think, the only one without neighborhood names. It's just Southwest. Mm-hmm. Everything in it is Southwest, you yeah. um, know, and is home to Arena Stage. Okay, here's the something I've been struggling with. Sure. Are there any other playwrights, composers who have written themselves into a show, let alone two shows? Yes. Uh, Anthony Newley would be the Buddha. last one. Okay, question. <laughs> kind of fool am I Who never fell in love It seems that I'm the only one That I have been thinking of What kind of man is this? An empty shell A lonely cell in which An empty heart must dwell What kind of clown am I? What do I know of life? Why can't I cast away this mask of play and live my life? Why can't I fall in love like any other man? And maybe then I'll know what kind of fool I am. Anthony Newley was a composer-performer in the 60s, mm-hmm. and he was British. The two big shows he, he wrote and performed in were Stop the World, I Want to Get Off and The Roar of the Grease Paint, The Smell of the Crowd, okay. um, which he wrote with Leslie Brickus. And he was equally well-known as a performer, singer, actor, and writer. He, they wrote, the two of them, Brickus and Newley wrote a lot of songs together. The most famous thing they're known for now is they wrote all the songs for Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the Gene Wilder film. Oh. They wrote all those songs. So, and that, that is kind highbrow of... highbrow Oompa Loompa song? Oh, yeah, so the, yes, the Oompa Loompa <laughs> songs, yeah. World of Pure Imagination, okay. Candyman. Cool. That, that's, their, that's their jam. And he is the only other person I can think of who, I mean, perform... Composers have put themselves in productions of the shows. I mean, it's happening. Sarah Bareilles is going to step into Waitress. Yeah, it's so going to be awesome. That is not uncommon where a composer or a playwright would, if they're also a performer, then act in their show. Right. After it's already opened and run and done yeah, a thing. because that's going to um, sell some tickets. Right, exactly right. As a publicity <laughs> stunt. Yeah. Or, or just for fun because they're right. allowed to. They're famous enough. They can do that now. But in terms of premieres, no, it is certainly Anthony Newley is the only other person I can think of. Please write in originalcastpod at gmail.com. I was doing a bunch of research I couldn't find. He's the only one I know who has hmm. done it twice. I mean, that because that's the big thing. What you The big thing is twice. I'm yeah. sure there are a lot of people who have done it once. Yeah. And the show closed out of town. And I was like, well, we're not going to try that again. Because that, to me, would be unbelievably difficult. Yeah. And then, like, if that goes so well for you, which it has done for him in both cases... 
How do you find a replacement? Well, I'm wondering that? if he can't. I'm now kind of wondering if he could not do it again. Do that. Yeah, I'm really wondering if he could, if he'd be allowed mm-hmm. to do his next musical, book, music, and lyrics by Lin Manuel Miranda, starring and starring somebody else, and starring Javier Munoz or whomever. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's he certainly is famous enough, but it's that question of like, yeah, that's what. Because he's got that star quality now. Yeah. And he is a very charismatic performer. I mean, it is like, well, I think, I mean, he is, he's very charming. Yeah. And he is someone you, I mean, I, I think I would agree. He does not have the greatest voice in the universe. He doesn't have a bad voice either. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he has a personality. And his personality, I, I think without him and In the Heights, In the Heights wouldn't have gotten oh, off the ground. Because he, no. he's all over In the Heights. Yeah. And, yeah. He is the show. He is the show. Yes, mm-hmm. in a very real way. I don't think he needed to be in Alexander Hamilton. Hamilton when Hamilton opened. But then the question is, who would you have cast? And like, You know what I mean? Throw like Javier Munoz. I guess. Right to throw it in. Bat. But then do you get, does that show get financed? Corbin Blue. <laughs> <laughs> I am so That's right, glad he played I did not see him in it. Apparently, he was good. Yeah, I, don't I mean, know. he was great in High School Musical. Right. So I can only imagine. He's but fun. Yeah. You know, he can move. He's, he's cute. Yeah, right. But... He's good. A little too good looking to play Snobby, in my yeah. opinion. But that's. It's an interesting problem, mm-hmm. I think, for him to have. Yeah. It's kind of a good problem to have. Be like, well, can I, like, will But I, I mean, he's not going to be in the, in the Heights movie, or at least not as Snobby. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I don't know how that's going to that's gonna roll. And the reason that I read that it's, so this musical, the movie has mm-hmm. been happening for a long time in the works, yeah. but they couldn't find like a strong enough Latino male lead and he wouldn't do it. Right. So I think they're trying to find someone. Yeah. I don't know. Corbin, well, are you free? It. I mean, they announced it like in a very, I remember announcing like kind of in a big way that, yeah. that it's coming yeah. and he was super excited about it. So. Yeah. I mean, of course, it wouldn't be the first movie to get announced and then never made. But it yes. would kind of be, especially with all these regional revivals going on, a very yeah. unusual yeah. thing. I think it's so needed because it's so good. Well, and it is a musical that I can see. There's certain shows that I have trouble seeing as movies. I would never say they couldn't be because God only knows. Yeah. Like, And Hamilton's one of them. Where I'm like, I don't know how that gets done as a film as effectively as, as, as it's done on yeah, stage. Period films are weird. It, and it could, I mean... <laughs> Someone could prove me wrong. But In the Heights. It's just so contemporary. And it's real. And it's cinematic. I mean, it has that scope to it where it jumps around. Scenes happen all over the place. Yeah. um, They kind of flow in and out of each other. It feels very. And there's big things that happen. Maybe it'll be an NBC Live. I think it would be a good NBC Live. In the Heights Live. Yeah. I think it would be really good In the Heights Live. I Mm -hmm. I think that would be a good one. Um, Certainly better than Bye Bye Birdie. Oh, my God. But Jayla. It does. I mean, there's like the whole blackout section, which is like, I think, yes. my favorite part of the show. visceral experience but that I mean that's that's a movie obviously I see like they're shutting off fireworks the lights are off like people are running around like that has a very 
And maybe and that's kind of funny that I just said that and realized that this show, like you say, has a very tiny story, mm-hmm. but it is sweeping in its yes. kind of scope. Yeah. Which isn't which might have been, I think, why people find it to be problematic because like Hamilton is cinematic in its story and in its storytelling. Yes, it's huge. And In the Heights is cinematic in its storytelling and not in its story. And when you say cinematic, I mean that kind of like you think of larger than big life. sort of yeah. Yeah. Um and I think that some people might I mean I don't find that off-putting. I think however you want to tell your story, you know, it can yeah. be interesting. But I can imagine people being like, well, this should have just been like a tiny off-Broadway, like one set. Well, it was a tiny off-Broadway. And someone decided to spend some money. Thanks, producers. Right. And it ran. I mean, this thing ran for- Two years. Two years? Yeah. How many performances did it run for? 1,184. I mean, that's that's a grip of performances. And yeah, yeah, it is. And I never would have, I got to say, even after seeing it on the the Tonys and, and being interested in it and it winning- I still think that's longer than you would expect. I mean, it's oh, longer sure. than shows like more traditional shows that you would expect to run, like Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder that won Best Musical a couple of years mm-hmm. ago. Like you just, those shows always, they generally run for five, 600 performances, maybe more. And then from a marketing perspective, you look at the show art and you're like, what the heck is that? And then you read the show copy and you're like, okay. Right. And then like you don't get it really until yeah. you see it. Or listen to the album in full. It's a big word of mouth show. Definitely. I feel like it, it gets a lot of people going like, oh, no, you have to see it. Oh, yeah. you have to see it. You have to see it. And yeah. people going, all right, I'll go see it. And then yeah. they tell, you know, they tell five people and so forth. Exactly. Which is a marketer's dream. And I know. especially like in, I don't know, when did Twitter come out? Like in a pre- 2007, but it wouldn't have been A pre-Twitter big. age. Yeah. Like, which is what? I think Hamilton banked on for like Ham for Ham and their whole like yeah. preview process. Like this mm-hmm. had none of that to support. So it was no, really it just, was, yeah, just straight peeps up. Peeps telling peeps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And go and people going. I right. mean, as you say, like you could it's afford a, a ticket. Right. Well, <laughs> until the end when you're paying the sure. same price for the back row as you sure. were for the front row. <clears throat> Worth it. Well, thank you. <laughs> I didn't pay. <laughs> okay, that's true. What was that? Ex- I, that's an interesting thing. I've never experienced mm-hmm. that. What was it like to see a show twice? <laughs> the second, usually I think when people go see a show twice, they see the first time they spend back row seat money yeah. and they're like oh this is really good I want to see this front row seat money what was that like seeing it from the front and then the back because that's a big theater it's a great it theater big. but it's and a very big from the back you couldn't really see much right. and I mean like seeing a musical from the back of the house is actually like a very good experience mm-hmm. from all the choreography the set and this is pretty tall there's people on different levels so it worked um, and I just thought Oh my God, a show is closing. I am never going to see this again. Mm-hmm. I have to go. Um, and so we did. And I don't exactly remember like feeling as impacted by the show as I did see it mm-hmm. as I did it the first time. Two years um, but I remember just thinking like, oh my God, this is literally the greatest musical of my entire lifetime. I am so hashtag blessed to see it twice. Um, yeah. Man. I mean, it's just. It's so good. What do you love so much about it? It just keeps you so focused. And I definitely have focus issues, which is why I think working in children's theater was so great for me. Is I like a 90-minute one-act play. Mm -hmm. I like short and sweet. And this is a long musical with a lot of characters, and it kept me entertained the whole time. And that, to me, is a trademark of stamp of approval success. Well, sure, yeah. Um, Like... When I saw Phantom on Broadway, I fell asleep during the show. I'm not joking. I am not. Jo- I was like, "What is the point of this show?" 
How old, when did you see Phantom? Um, I mean, ballpark. I was in high school. So before this. Before to the in the heights. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And I literally was sleeping during the show. Oh my gosh. Yes. And everyone's like, "Oh my god, Phantom! What a masterpiece!" But actually, the masterpiece is in the heights. Okay. In my opinion. I don't know that I. <clears throat> Falling asleep is pretty intense. Well, I, I've I never don't... fallen asleep in another show. Though. I was gonna say, like, I don't like my father-in-law goes to the theater to sleep. That's why he goes, and sure. he loves it. But. He... He's a, he works very hard. My boyfriend's He's fallen hard. asleep during shows we've seen together. I don't like, get that. Oh I can't, like, I don't know that I could. I've fallen asleep at stuff, don't get me wrong. Sure. I things have, but I don't think a live, like, like a. A Broadway musical. A Broadway musical, especially one as loud as The Phantom of the Opera. Ugh. It is dark. I, I mean, was like, wake me up when the chandelier happens. Oh, so you fell asleep <laughs> in the first act. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> what do you, what do you like to. Tying these two shows together for a second. Okay. What do you like to? What What do you? What attracts you to a to a show? What takes you to? Like, aside from Lin Manuel Miranda. Aside from Lin Manuel Miranda, yes, who can't I be everywhere it's all at once. So. High energy and the high stakes, like such a little problem, means so much to someone. Mm-hmm. And this is also really like why I like Dear Evan Hansen a lot because it's a small problem, but it changes one person's life and therefore changes everyone around them's life and it's not just like an isolated issue mm-hmm. um but really and i think a musical gives way for something to just be blown out of proportion and affect so many people so if you you say that you're i mean you identified with the the female characters is it yeah. has that morphed for you in in any ways or anybody now who you sort of when you listen to it like in preparation for this anything new that stuck out to you that hadn't maybe stuck out before um, well, I think recognizing Sonny's, like, political activism, mm-hmm. I think is something I didn't get the first time around. And I don't know if that's just more relevant now, Maybe. listening to it. Mm-hmm. And the whole first number is, like, talking about protesting and whatever and whatever. Um, so that definitely stuck out to me more going going back a second time mm-hmm. or a hundred and second, well, right. a thousand and second <laughs> time, however many times I listened to it. Um yeah, I never really grabbed onto Benny. I never really oh, okay. grabbed onto Nina's parents. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, the girls in the nail salon though are just so fun. They like they're really the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. They yeah, are so fun. They're a lot of fun. Um, and they are named after Lin Manuel's real life cousins. Oh, I did not. Yeah, know he actually that. has a cousin, Daniela, and whomever the other one is. from the salon exactly yeah the neighborhood salon the neighborhood salon right which closes in the show is that right well they sell it oh they sell it and they oh to pay for vanessa's apartment that's right what nice people i guess yes a lot of people selling things for the next generation any of my friends let alone like owning a shop well, right. Or selling their shop to give me money to buy an apartment that's not even in the same neighborhood as my friend lives. Right. Well, that's... the West Village is way far away from Washington yeah. Heights. Well, yeah. Well, it's just the A train. Well, right. You do just. <laughs> as, I learned a she's... lot about the subway system. There you go. That's true. Musical. Right. Just hop on the A train. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I've been to Washington Heights. I have friends who live in Washington Heights. It is far away. Yeah. It, it is when you're in Manhattan. It yeah. is. It is far away. Mm-hmm. And I remember this very was shooting in Washington Heights and we took the subway down and there was a water main break going back so we had to get on the bus to go back and of course the traffic was nuts because the subway was out so like everybody was on the street and it was that really drove home how far away Washington Mm. Heights is from 
But it's home. The, the rest of the city. It's a but it's, it's a great home. neighborhood. It's a really really interesting architectural neighborhood because there's so many hills. Like there's yeah. so many, it's a lot of rise and falls, and it doesn't look like any other part of the island. And there's one park in Washington Heights, Bennett Park, mm-hmm. maybe, which right. is at the highest point yeah. in Manhattan mm-hmm. altogether. Yeah. Um, just all that and like Inwood, like when you go way uptown, it yeah. is a really interesting. Because it's a, it is a whole other world north of Harlem. It is just right. It's nothing you because nobody ever films up there. Nobody ever does like it's it's a totally kind of yeah. untouched part of the city, and totally. it is gorgeous. And it shows why I mean why he still lives up there. I mean mm-hmm. that's where he lives, and it, it's very you totally get it when you go up there. You're like Great. this is gorgeous. Home and, of land. And all my friends I know, it, it, it's like all the friends I know who have moved there, and there've been a couple swear by it and they just absolutely stay there and it's not in that like way where people move to Brooklyn and then they're like oh it's the best place ever it, it it's this very kind of like no it's great we love it it's quiet it's nice yeah and we love it and yeah. this is where we live now it's like oh well not taken over by cool. hipsters yet not yet I think in the Heights also kind of alludes to the gentrification of oh it the certainly does well that seems that's what Sonny's I think railing and against like, all the most of the, the time immigrants on the corner shop yeah and so it's definitely like alluding to like if we leave this place, mm-hmm. will it no longer be our home when right. we come back to it? Well, and that's a big topic, obviously, in this city yeah. all the time. Yeah, is this issue of gentrification. Southwest DC. Yeah, that is. I mean, that that sort of runs through it, and I think that's part of what the ending. I mean, it is it is important. I think at the end of the show for for Usnavi to stay because, like as you say, the nail salon's closing and yeah. the. Cap stand is closing, so like there's only th- there's three family owned businesses when we start, mm-hmm. and if there's zero when we're finished, like that's what is this place what is it? exactly right? It's completely gone, which could be. I mean, that's a way to end a show, obviously. But this like that's his, sad. It's very sad, <laughs> and it's it's his deciding to sort of reinvest, yeah, double down in the neighborhood and kind of become abuela. I mean, it kind of answers Nina's question: if she's not here, who are we? Which right. is sort of how she ends that. He kind of, I mean, he doesn't say it formally, but it is, he's sort of deciding, like, no, I'm going to stick everything back in this neighborhood and we'll see. Like, we'll yeah. double down and then we'll see. I would be interested to know where he thinks all these characters are. Now? Eight years, <gasps> nine years later. That's a fun game. I'm just curious if any of them made it, <laughs> like, in his estimation. Sure. Because he strikes me as a pretty realistic human about that sort of thing. Yeah, and I'm sure when he's writing these characters, he pictures what their future is like, too. Yeah. And as an actor, you have you to have to right. You got to imagine like how they're going. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where do you think they are these days? Well, when I I remember like watch when I watched it, I was like, oh, Usnavi's going to be town mayor. Like, totally, that's what I thought. Like, <laughs> does Washington Heights have, have a mayor? mayor? No, they don't. No, okay, but well, I'm sure they have something. Theory. I'm sure they have something. They probably have a councilman or something. Yeah. yeah. I think Piragua guy. We haven't talked about Piragua guy. Piragua, new block of ice. Piragua, Piragua. So sweet and nice piragua Tengo de mango, tengo de parcha, de piña y de fresa Tengo de china, de limón, de pesco y de peseta Hey piragua, piragua, new flock of ice piragua Piragua, piragua, so sweet and nice piragua it took me so long to figure out what was going on in that song. And when I found out, it's just this guy is it's so It's actually so it's funny. He just like walks along the stage with a little cart. Mm-hmm. And he just sings a little song. But and he's, he's done. And he's done. <laughs> but he's kind of a microcosm for the show. I mean, it's yeah. a night with the payback of like, he's just selling pure agua, which is shaved, b- ice. shaved ice. Yeah. Um, and he's getting pushed out. 
by the guy in the softy truck. Right. But, but then, he's just pushing but along. But he's just pushing along. And then at the end, the guy in the softy truck's truck breaks down. Yeah. And he gets the 4th of July boom, which is what he needs to make it to another year. Yeah. And it's kind of a microcosm for everything else that's going on. Like, right. they're just living... As the, I mean, the big the big lyric for me, the, the thing that I think he sets up very well in the opening number is when he says... Practically everybody's stressed, yes, but they press through the mess, bounce checks, and wonder what's next in the that is such a great like, and that that pays out. That that plays out through the end. It is that mm. thing of like, everybody's stressed, and they're spending money they don't have, and they're wondering what the future is going to be like. And that is literally what every single character at some point money. does. Yeah, yeah. it's money Vanessa's and the future. Worrying about how to make money, where she's going to go next. Right. Nina's worried about where the money's going to come from for her to go to college. Mm-hmm. Uh, Benny's worried that if Benny gets fired, <laughs> right? But he's like, if if the cab company doesn't make money, how are they going to pay for him? Right. Um, and then what kind of job is he going to? What's have? he going to do? Right. Yeah, it is, the, and that's just it. It it is this sort of the ending really works for me because of how uncertain it is, and how the yeah. characters are just they're they're better than when we found them, but they're very similar to how we found them, which is mm-hmm. you know stressed and bouncing checks. Like that's yeah. that's yeah. where that's what the future holds. And it sort of has this lovely, like, the struggle is what's important. Struggle is real. Yeah, and it is. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite song? <gasps> Ooh, I don't know. I really like Carnival del Barrio. Everything kind of comes to fruition in that show. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna it's get a great time. The money leaves, Sunny. Yeah. 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 It's um, a it's a fun song. Yeah. But it's not one that I. Yeah. That's that's a that's a neat because that's not one that ever pops up. No. Everyone's people... like ninety six thousand. Yeah. It's the five hundred twenty five thousand song. Well, oh my the god! Did... Another rank comparison. <laughs> <laughs> a song about numbers. A song about numbers. There, that's it. Oh, I'm sold now. It's definitely <laughs> okay. they're the same thing. It's about a neighborhood in New York, and that's where the similarities really end. And it's contemporary. And people sing and people numbers. S- n- yes, <laughs> and it's ensemble. I mean, yeah. that's it's about the neighborhood. It's about all the people in the neighborhood. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't. I will tell you, rent really overreaches its grasp to me mm. it, it 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 doesn't go as far as it thinks it does and this show i think it does a really good job of going exactly as far as it as it says it's going to like yeah. i say and we, maybe even farther than like the audience thinks it will go yeah so, like when it's two well, days right poss- is it three three days yeah. i mean that's it. it's three days in yeah. these people's lives and lots of things change but everything doesn't change like it does oh. for the characters but it's their Power world goes out comes right. back yeah i mean the rent takes place resolved. over I mean, the first act takes place over a night and the second act takes place over a year mm-hmm. and that's a huge that's a huge jump in time you know what i mean so there's like an epic sweep to yeah. that whereas this is just it's three days in the life and you know lots of stuff goes down but nothing that you wouldn't expect to go down over the course right. of three days right. it's just it's a pretty eventful three days but it's not an unusual like it's just every other three days right Except something happens to somebody died. 
Yeah, and there was a blackout. I mean, the blackout is really the thing. The right. blackout and the, and, and the lottery are the two things that are unusual in those days. Sure. But everything else is pretty. It's just families fighting and decisions yeah. are made and people do things rashly and regret them later and apologize mm-hmm. and promise never to do it again. And, and they, they probably will. They drink a lot will. of coffee they and then they drink coffee. some champagne. And... and they get drunk and go dancing. Like, yeah. it's all pretty, yeah. That seems really fun on stage. The club I be- scene, Yes, I believe really it is. Fun. It's not great on the recording because yeah. it feels like it's a lot of, like, I am missing yes. so very much. It's really, really fun. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming down. This Thank was you. a lot of fun. Yes, it was. The original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. This episode was recorded at the Media Production Center at American University. Special thanks to Jeffrey Madison, Tom Fish, and Imani Mular. If you like the original cast, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. It's the easiest way to make sure other people find the show. The original cast is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at OriginalCastPod. You can follow me, Patrick Flynn, on Twitter at UnknownPenguin. My thanks to Lauren R. Alexander for coming down and talking to me. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. <laughs>